Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Testament lesson is recorded in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and thresholds shook, and the temple 
was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. We rise for the creed and the gospel. We continue with that confession of faith. The Father is not made nor created nor begotten by anyone. The Son is neither made nor created, but begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. Thus there is one God, not, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal, so that in all things, as been stated above, the Trinity in unity and the unity in Trinity is to be worshiped. Whoever therefore desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon possessed? I am not demon possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. We continue with our hymn, hymn 506. Glory be to God the Father.
May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the, uh, the message comes from our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. Let's pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless our time in your word. And let us sing the song of the angels in your throne room. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. And I'm sure that many of you could probably have your own stories about being uh, misled by your GPS. Uh, a couple weekends ago, Linda and I were in Michigan. Uh, I was performing the wedding for our nephew. Uh, and, and right there, a couple of times during that weekend where the GPS led us astray. Uh, one time, uh, it led us on roads that looked right, uh, and yet uh, it led us to a gated uh, area for a chemical plant, uh, and we had to come back around and try to find another way there. Uh, but that's nothing like uh, the story I came across. A woman by the name of Sabine Moreau uh, took place a number of years ago, 67 years old, from Belgium, uh, she was driving to pick up a friend in Brussels. It was about 90 miles away from her home. But based upon the faulty directions she got from a GPS, she drove all the way to Croatia, nearly 1,000 miles away. Yeah. Uh, she took her across five international borders, stopping several times to get gas and take naps, and kept on pressing until she hit the capital of Croatia. After a few days, her son started to get a little worried. Uh, and called the police. They located her uh, by following her bank statements, and she was interviewed by a Belgian reporter, and she said, you know, I, I was distracted. It was, I was just following what it was telling me, uh, I, but I saw all, signs of, all kinds of signs, first in French, then in German, and finally in Croatian. Uh, but I kept driving uh, because I was distracted, and when I came to the capital, I told myself, I should turn around. <laughs> Journeys are interesting, aren't they? We finally made it, though, haven't we? We've come to the end of a long journey. Now, this isn't a, a journey of wrong directions at all. It's a journey that began all the way back in December. Let's retrace our steps. Back in December, the journey began when an angel announced to a young woman named Mary that she had been chosen to give birth to the Messiah. That Advent announcement uh, brought us out to an out-of-the-way place in the foothills of Judea to a village called Bethlehem. It was there in a, in a humble stable that God the Father demonstrated his amazing love for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to be our savior. After that, we follow Jesus across Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. We watched him grow up in wisdom and stature. We watched him as he was baptized in the Jordan River. We marveled at his miracles and we traveled with him along that windy path to Jerusalem because it was there on a hill called Calvary that God's only son demonstrated his amazing love. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, rising victoriously from the grave on Easter morning. Most recently, a few weekends ago, we, we climbed to the Mount of Olives. We looked to see Jesus ascending into the heavens. But our Savior did not leave this earth without giving his disciples some final instructions, telling them to, to go back into the city and wait for the gift the Father had promised. And so last Sunday, we went back to Jerusalem. With the disciples, we waited. On the festival of Pentecost, 10 days after the ascension, last weekend, 
God's Holy Spirit demonstrated his amazing love, giving the disciples the ability to speak in uh, languages they did not know, uh, and giving them the power to preach boldly. And on a single day, 3,000 people were brought to faith through the working of God's Spirit. Now, the festival half of the church year is over, but that doesn't mean it's time to take a vacation from worship until next December, right? Uh, on this Trinity Sunday, it is our privilege to give thanks and praise to the triune God. But we're not the only ones who bow down before God in humble awe and worship. In our reading today from Isaiah, God's holy angels, the seraphs, uh, did exactly the same thing. And so through a vision, God allows Isaiah to see these six-winged creatures as they declare the praises of God to one another, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is full of his glory. Even though the angel's song of praise is almost 3,000 years old, it's still a model for worship today. May God use these inspired words of Isaiah to help us also sing that song. One of the first things we see is that this triune God is a holy God. I mean, what do you think God looks like? You know, uh, I mean, when you really think about it, are there certain images that immediately come to mind? You know, sometimes people probably think of that, that famous painting of Jesus where he has sort of shoulder hair, uh, shoulder length hair parted down the middle, almost angelic glow behind his head. Uh, others may picture God more like a grandfatherly figure uh, with a gray beard looking down out of the clouds. And maybe you decide not even try to get a picture of God because God is spirit. Can't figure it out. Most people will never capture a glimpse of God on this side of eternity. And that is what makes this account so unique. Because Isaiah's vision is exceptional because in it, he is allowed to see God. And what exactly did he see? Let's listen to his words. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In Isaiah's vision, God looks like a king dressed in royal robes, seated on a royal throne, uh, displaying the power of a royal ruler. But God's not the only thing in, Isaiah's, in the vision that Isaiah saw. Above God were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Now it's interesting, we don't know how many uh, uh, of these angels there were. Could have been two. Could have been 200, could have been 2,000. But what we do know is that each of them had six wings. They were hovering around the throne of God. Now, Isaiah's vision is hard enough to imagine, isn't it? But what he heard was just as amazing. Proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is, are full of his glory. This triple refrain, holy, holy, holy may not be a direct reference to the Trinity, but the repetition reminds us that God has revealed himself to us as, as the triune God. In the Old Testament, God instructed Moses to tell his people, we we'll hear this again with the, the, the triple idea, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. They could not be no more clear. There is only one God, right? All other gods are nothing compared to the one true God. But God also reveals himself as three persons. When we witness a baptism, God's command 
uh, and Jesus' own words, a child is baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And those words could not be more clear. The one true God reveals himself as three persons. And this is why the God of the Bible is called the triune God, three in one. When we study the person of God, we call uh, different characteristics of God his attributes. And so we go through a number of them in even confirmation class that that God is eternal, meaning he always was, always is, and always will be. God is omniscient. He knows all things. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. God is just, meaning that he's fair and impartial. God is uh, faithful, meaning that God keeps his promises. God is gracious, meaning that he shows his undeserved kindness and, and that he's forgiving. And there are a lot more there, but, but it's interesting that all the attributes of God, the, angel, the angels sing and they focus on one, God's holiness. God is holy. He's perfect. He is without sin. Holiness gets at the very essence and the very heart and core of who God is. The triune God is a holy God. This holy God who Isaiah saw in his vision. Now, if that were your vision, not Isaiah's, how would you react? Would you get down on your hands and knees and thank God for this unique privilege? Would you, uh, or maybe uh, would your relationship with God be strengthened by this once in a lifetime encounter? Hear how Isaiah, how Isaiah replied. He cried out, Woe to me, I'm ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. I live under a people of, among a people of unclean lips. And, and so this vision of God didn't give Isaiah a lot of great joy, did it? It didn't encourage him. It said the very thought of seeing God and all of his holiness filled him with fear. Why? What in the world did Isaiah have to worry about? I mean, after all, <laughs> compared to the, the people that God called him to serve, uh, the, the people that God called him to preach to, Isaiah was probably looking pretty good. I mean, he was the good guy. God called him to warn the people about their lives of sin and threaten them with God's judgment. It's interesting, in our world today, a lot of times we have this idea of different degrees of sin, like this one's worse than the other, but... All that means nothing in the presence of a just and holy God. Almighty God demands total perfection from all people. Isaiah knew that that he fell far short of that standard. And so in the presence of God, Isaiah was nothing. He didn't deserve special treatment. He didn't deserve to see God's glory. He did deserve to to, to have God's wrath, right? And compared with the rest of the world out there, those of us gathered here today, we might say we look pretty good too. I mean, after all, we Christians, we're the light of the world, Jesus said. God calls us to let our light shine. Uh, We are God's witnesses. We're that last line, aren't we, hopefully, of of that defense of morality and decency and truth in this world. But once again, our our self-defined degrees of sin melt away in the presence of a holy and just God. We fall short as we confess. We sin in thought and word and in deed. No one can live up to God's perfect standard. Absolutely no one can meet God on his terms and live. I mean, if you think I'm wrong, think about it. I mean, if you were to stand before God right now, the God who knows everything that you've ever done, the God who sees each and every thought and desire of your heart, would that be fearful? 
Isaiah knew the answer to that question. He says, woe to me, I am ruined. He cries out. The triumph God is a holy God, but, but God did not allow Isaiah to despair, did he? God intervened. You see, up to this point in the vision, Isaiah had seen just, just that one side of God, his holiness. He saw God's glory as, he, as it filled the room with smoke. He saw God's power as the foundations in the temple shook. And the, the second half uh, of this vision of Isaiah assures you and me that the triune God uh, not only is holy, but God is merciful. The seraphs, the angels, show Isaiah this merciful side of God. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. You know, as part of the Old Testament worship, Israelites often came to the temple in Jerusalem at different times of the year to offer sacrifices on their altar. Uh, the sacrifices did not have any special power in and of themselves. I mean, the act of killing animals really did not forgive sin, but those sacrifices were symbolic. They foreshadowed, they pointed ahead to a greater sacrifice that was to come, a greater sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice that was to come, a sacrifice that would pay for everything, for all sins. In fact, that single sacrifice would take away the sins of the whole world. When the angel took that hot burning coal from the altar, touching it to Isaiah's lips, he made use of that same imagery. So the song of the seraphs proclaimed, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The action of the angels proclaimed to Isaiah, loving, loving, loving is the Lord, the all-merciful. The angel's actions meant that God heard Isaiah's cry for mercy. They assured Isaiah that he was forgiven, that his guilt had been taken away. Now, God might not come to you and me uh, with singing angels today, but we have the same assurance that Isaiah had. God's not going to put that hot coal onto our lips, but uh, he doesn't give us visions like he did Isaiah, but, and we don't rely on, on those visions because the reality is right here in front of us. I mean, we can open up our Bibles and read about God's plan of salvation. We, we can see how God put that plan into action. We can see how Jesus came to earth with a real human body. We see that he shed real tears. We, we see that he shed real blood on the cross. We see that his resurrection is not a story. It's not a myth. It's not a legend or a fable. It really happened. And because it happened, forgiveness is ours. Life is ours. Salvation is ours. The angel touched Isaiah, announcing that forgiveness. There was a notable change in his attitude, wasn't there? Because before he was the one who cried out in despair, woe is me, and now he speaks in boldness. Before he was basically frozen by his fears, now he's eager to serve. The response to, this, to the angel was, woe to me. Now his response to God's call is, here am I, send me. What's the reason for this turnaround? God didn't change, but Isaiah's relationship with God changed. God rescued Isaiah from certain death. 
He plucked Isaiah from the pit of despair. His mercy and love motivated Isaiah to, to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that undeserved love, right? Thank you for saving a sinner like me. Thank you. Now use me that I may serve you. My dear friends in Christ, the same gospel motivates you and me to action. I mean, you don't have to be a great prophet like Isaiah, but you can still say, here am I, send me. You don't have to die a martyr's death like Stephen, but you can still stand up for God's truth in difficult situations, especially in our world today. You may never have the opportunity to share the gospel to thousands like Peter, but you can share the love of God with a child or a friend. You may never do mission work in foreign countries like Paul, but you can let the love of Jesus Christ shine through in everything that you say and do. You know, a lot of different illustrations have been suggested over the years to, to illustrate the Trinity. There is the, uh, the, the, uh, the triangle, that's the most common one. The triangle has sort of three sides, yet remains a single shape. Uh, as I think that's one of the ones on the cover of the bulletin there. Uh, and another one is water, you know, uh, one substance, but the you know, three phases, solid, liquid, gas. Uh, but you know what? They, they can be helpful, but they're always incomplete, aren't they? Our human mind simply cannot comprehend the mystery of the Trinity. We'll never be able to understand how God exists as three distinct persons and yet one undivided being. That's why it's good for us on Trinity Sunday to not only talk about who the true God is, but also what he is. The triune God is a holy God, but the triune God is also a merciful God. Most importantly, the triune God is our God. He has loved you and me from eternity, desires nothing more than our salvation. That love leads you and me to thank him, to serve him, to sing the, the, the songs of the, the seraphs, the angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. So let's continue to live our lives. Let's live, let's sing the song of the angels with joy and thanksgiving. And let's go forth with joy into our world to share the blessings of our triune God. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.
Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.